Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and I'm here with the always fabulous Jillian of Studio Soprano. In this episode, we're going to talk about bioformats. And uh, there's a lot of different types. We're going to go over them. We're going to go over when you'll want to use them and when you will not want to use them, especially if you're doing things that are going to be letterpressed. So, yes, as letterpress printers who print for other designers, we have gotten some weird and wild files, (laughs) (laughs) some that are absolutely perfect for adapting your letterpress and others that are just absolutely not. And what we've realized is that most people just don't understand why we need files a certain way. It is not because we're just really picky. It's not because we want to just like, you know, stick to what we know. There is literal reasons for this. And so we figured we would talk about them and maybe that'll help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping to clarify some things and give you a little explanation and backstory of why and to help you understand what files work, what files don't and why they don't work. Um, Because there are some files that we literally just can't use. Um, And then there are some that we get them and we're like, yay, this is perfect. I love you. You're my new favorite. Um, So we'll go over those in detail. Yeah. Um, okay, so there are two kind of main image types out there, and this is important to know when we talk about the different file types because they relate to kind of one or the other of these two sectors. So there are raster images, which are constructed with a series of pixels, like little individual blocks. We all know what pixels are, I think, probably, but they create the image, which means that they are not resizable. So they are built as one size, and they're meant to stay that way. So they're either built for like a 5 by 7 or an 8 by 10 And if you take that 8 by 10 and make it into an 11 by 17 you're probably going to get a blurry, pixelated, distorted image. If you take that 8 by 10 and make it into a 5 by 7 you're probably going to get a blurry, pixelated, distorted image. They're meant to stay in one size. And mm-hmm. main raster files, you've probably seen these uh, file types before, are TIFFs. PNG files, GIFs, G-I-F, or JPEGs. Those are kind of the most common ones that you see. The other option is a vector image. Um, These are much more flexible. They're constructed using a proportional formula and you can resize them indefinitely. So you can make them tiny, like on the size of a dime, or you can make them as big as a whole building. Um, So these are what you wanna use for anything that's going to need to be scalable in any way, shape or form. Um, most common file types for these are Adobe Illustrator or AI files, um, EPS, which is, um, (laughs) encapsulated postscript. I had to look that one up. And then there's also PDFs and those are going to be portable document formats. So those are kind of the more common ones you see, but those are all vector based files. I've got a quick question for you. Yeah. Are PDFs? inherently vector files though because you can't really scale a pdf we're gonna get to that 
oh yay mm-hmm. guys mariah is educating me i'm so excited <laughs> i think okay. we'll get to it if we don't answer it i'll do some more research but um okay. i'm pretty sure that's included in the next part so your vector files are much more flexible so you can really do anything you want with them um and for those of us who are working as letterpress printers and ordering letterpress plates this is the ideal format for a file it's going to be a vector format because this is why you can change the color of it and we can take your artwork that is going to be printed in sage green and make it into 100% black or 100% K for the letterpress plate making process. So the vector factor is important for that reason and that reason alone. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, the, I explained this in a workshop the other day and I can yeah. just see the clarity. Um Okay. So when you, even if you have, like, let's say you took a raster image of your text, you're in Photoshop, right? And like you have this PNG of a text logo and you bring it in. And even though there's a transparent background and you could put a clipping mask over that PNG to be a hundred percent black, why is that still not good enough? It is because the edges of that image that png image the raster image is all pixelated and so when you go to do the exposure and um max talked about this in our interview with concord engraving the image exposure is everything when it comes to plates so you need that crisp smooth edge to your negative so that your plates can come out crisp and smooth if you've got blurry edges on your pixelated edges pixelated edges on your film negative then you're gonna get some weird and not precise edges on your photopolymer plate so it all comes down to the image exposure which is why you need to go with a vector because as soon as you vectorize something you will see your pixelated blurry edge just turn into a nice solid smooth line chris i give that explanation a 200 out of 10. That was the perfect explanation for why, for why we need vectors for letterpress plates. Like, hell yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jay. Okay, great. So now you know we need vectors for letterpress plates and why. All right. So yeah. we're going to go over all the file types, but aside from directly like image files, um, there's also native file formats. And this means like no matter what software you're using, it could be Microsoft Word, it could be Adobe InDesign. You're going to hit file, you're going to hit save, you're going to name it and whatever that ends with. So if you're using Illustrator, AI, if you're using InDesign, INDD, if you're using Word, doc, like those are all the native files. These are really best used in a I want this to be edited later like occasion it's not really something that you're going to want to send like your letterpress printer or your digital printer you're not really going to want to send that off usually but you can and we'll talk about how you can do that Um, but in most cases you're not going to be sending native files to people Um, you're going to be sending a different format later and we'll talk about that in a minute So I want to go over all the main file formats you're going to encounter and what they are good for or not good for, depending on the file itself. So 
we have probably received most of these at some point in our <laughs> wholesale printing <laughs> careers. Um, so I want to go through all of them and then I'll talk about which ones are best for letterpress and which ones are worst for letterpress, aka not usable. So yeah. um, I'll start with JPEG. So we've all seen JPEGs before. It's Joint Photographic Experts Group, which is fun. Did and not that know is that. Really, I know. I'm like, I had never known. I've been using JPEG since, I don't know, as long as I've been alive. And they are good for printing at high resolution. So you're talking digital printing, not letterpress, of course, but good for printing at high resolution, like photos, things like that. Then you have your PNGs. We all know these. Um, they're, that stands for Portable Network Graphics. We all know these because they have a transparent background option, which is important. Um, these are best for like web use. They have a decent load time, um, decent like scalability, and they're not recommended for print because they are still raster images. Then we have GIFs. Graphics interchange format. We all know these because of Giphy on our iPhones and on social media, those little memes and everything else. Um, so oftentimes they're short little videos that repeat. They are a common file type for web because they load really quickly, but you may lose a little bit of quality because they are kind of like intended to be that one small size. That has to do with like the file size and the resolution and everything. Yeah. Um, even if you upload like good quality PNGs or JPEGs in, and then convert it to a GIF, like yeah. you tend to it, like lose, lose so much quality. quality. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So um, I would love for someone to try to send me a GIF and make a plate out of it. Like, please. That's just hysterical. I, yeah. <laughs> just oh, the thought we'll of talk, it. Sorry. We'll talk about converting some of these files to letterpress because we have experience with a lot of them. Um, yeah. We'll tell some horror stories and some success stories to go along with these. But um, okay. Then you have TIFF, T-I-F-F, which is tagged image file. Don't know why there's two Fs, but here we are. That is a large <laughs> raster file that doesn't lose quality. So you probably don't want to use it for web because it'll take a really long time for your web page to load, which is bad. And it is good for saving photographs to print. So it prints higher resolution, larger files. Um, so good for print photographs, things like that. Not great for web or anything online. Um, then you have a PSD, which is a Photoshop document. This is a native file. And this um, Photoshop is important to know that, like, especially for those who are designing invitations, <laughs> These are really working with raster images, not with vectors. So this is how you edit photos. You add lighting, you Photoshop out something in the background. This is not really how you make things that are going to be intended to print um, or to make letterpress plates out of. So we don't recommend making invitations in Photoshop. Then we move on to PDFs, so portable document format. You can actually open these within almost every other um, design software definitely within any Adobe document because it was created by Adobe. Um, but also in like CorelDRAW or Quark, you can actually open PDFs there. And a lot of times they're still editable. Um, it is definitely the best option for preserving layout and graphics across different software and different computers. So when you're sending something to another printer, this is pretty much your best bet for a file type. Then we have EPS, which is an encapsulated postscript. Why is that so hard to say? Um, so these are available, they are a vector format and they're intended to produce high resolution graphics for print. And this I think was really interesting. I've never really used EPSs myself, um, but they can actually be created by almost any design software and it's a good alternative for a PDF. So if you're using CorelDRAW or Quark um, and your printer uses Adobe, which I do, then this is probably like your safest bet. Um, but I think PDF is pretty comparable. I think they're both kind of have the same capabilities, especially when you're going into Adobe. 
Yeah, um, I use EPS for um for like the laser cutter and the CNC. Cricket. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah. S- SVGs. Do we have that on here? It sure is. Oh, yay. <laughs> so the next one is SVG, which is scalable vector graphics. And these are vector images that can be scaled, indexed, compressed, etc. without losing any quality. They are vectors, so they can be indefinitely scaled as much as you want. Um, and they can be edited in design software. I think I see a lot of Cricut stuff. Like when people are selling Cricut graphics, um, a lot of them are SVG. And I don't know, we should do a test and see like how that affects in the cricket format because I feel like EPS or PDFs are probably just as, as good. Um, so the S the SVGs, like they can condense down to a smaller file size, but yeah. they, they retain all of the accuracy Interesting. Um, and, and a lot of more advanced programs, not cricket because crickets aren't advanced, the least but advanced, yeah. a, a lot of more advanced programs for that type of like cutting. precision cutting. Yeah. It, SVG is like the standard. SVG is like their, you know, PNG or their JPEG, like what yeah. people love to use. They're it's preferred. their bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have, okay, so then we have raw images. So raw image format. So RAW is the file type. Um, these are usually created by your camera. So it's not something that you'll really export from a design software as, but, um, you know, We'll see them every now and again, and it's just something to be aware of. So if you see a raw image, it's probably straight from a camera and run away at all costs. Um, the last two I'm going to talk about, so obviously we have AI, which is Adobe Illustrator document, and that is preferred by most designers if you, as a second choice, I would say, to a PDF or maybe an EPS. Um, Adobe is really great for creating, uh, we both like it for creating invitations because every piece that we create is a different size. So an invitation is five inches by seven inches. A details card is an A2, which is 4.25 inches by 5.5 inches. And then the envelope for that invitation is 5.25 by 7.25 inches and so on and so forth. So if you're creating a whole bunch of pages, but they're all different sizes, or if you want to create um, for any kind of graphic design where you're designing logos or uh graphics, icons, things like that, you're going to want to create those as vector images so that they can be scaled. And Adobe is the best pro- like brand for this or best program for this across the board. Um, I will say if you are sending me files for letterpress, I don't mind getting an Illustrator document. I like that just as much as a PDF. However, huge caveat here, you have to have to have to outline your fonts before you send it to me. Because if I don't have that font on my computer, that file is now useless to me. It does not look like what you want it to look like. It will be replaced with some generic system default font, which is not that beautiful script you had picked out so carefully. Minion Pro. Literally. I, That's I think mine. Like, yeah, I think mine's That's Myriad or something weird that I've never used ever. Um, so outline your fonts or make sure you at least file your, uh, package your file, which is available to you in the file menu bar. It's literally file package. It'll save a folder with all your fonts, your files, and a PDF even, just in case. The last thing is uh, Adobe InDesign, which the abbreviation at the end of your file will be INDD. And this is really a program that's meant to design publications like books, newspaper, magazines, things with multiple pages of the same size. We don't recommend it for invitation design because a lot of, like I said, a lot of the things we make are all different sizes. It's not like we're making 10 invitations or 10 pieces of one suite that are all going to be five inches by seven inches. So Illustrator is not the best for invitation design for that reason alone. Um, it's also, yeah, 
did I say Illustrator? Sorry. Yeah. InDesign, InDesign is not the best for invitations for that reason alone, just because of the different page sizes. Um, you can use Photoshop and Illustrator elements in InDesign because it's Adobe. All of these, the whole suite basically kind of carries over and you can copy and paste directly from program to program. But if you're doing like a graphic heavy invitation, for example, you probably want to use Illustrator. Even if there's going to be text, you can do all the text setting in Illustrator that you could do in InDesign. So I don't really personally see any advantage to using InDesign for invitations. Okay, that was a lot. Um, Woo! So let's let's talk quickly about the best files to send to your digital printers. So if you're outsourcing your digital printing, um, PDFs are pretty much gonna be the best bet. They are more suitable for printing because they can retain a lot of the formatting information across different publications. Um, so you can save it from any program and a lot of those design features will be saved. Um, if you were to do like save a JPEG and send that, um, you, or I'm sorry, unlike with like a JPEG, you have to save image files individually. PDFs can combine all of your images and your text on one page without altering the layout or quality when someone else opens it on a different computer. So it preserves the layout of everything you've put together in this one file, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, the reason PDFs are best. And if you're sending to a digital printer, like the PDF is the file that you export, but let's talk about like what is actually, like let's say you're using Photoshop to create your invitation and you're dropping a watercolor painting onto that artboard and you know you're gonna PDF it at the end. What is that watercolor painting? Is it a JPEG? Well, it depends, whatever you pulled it in as. Um, so like if you open it up in Photoshop, it's probably gonna come in as a PNG or a JPEG because you scanned it or whatever, digitized it. Um, so you're putting a JPEG into a file and then you're adding text and then you're exporting that as a PDF. So then you're gonna have like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes when you export from Photoshop, you'll see like the white outline around the watercolor artwork. And then mm -hmm. you'll have like the text. So it's like a box around the artwork and then like text over here. It's like a clear background, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that, I think that Photoshop kind of makes it bulky. I haven't tried exporting Photoshop files like for print because I don't use it for that really. Um, yeah. But I don't know. So a few things to note, I'm, uh over like the different programs, assuming that you're staying within somewhere within the Adobe suite, which I'll be honest, I don't have much um, experience designing outside of the outside of Creative Suite. Like I know some people use, I have no idea, maybe even Canva, who knows? Um, <laughs> I actually I do have experience with Canva, so I won't say that. But if you are in Photoshop, and you're dragging and dropping um, a JPEG or a PNG, it ends up kind of living in Photoshop. If you're using InDesign or Illustrator, it's actually linking to that file. And so if you, for whatever reason, delete the original file or you Move send, it. or you send me an InDesign file of your invitation, but you didn't also send me the original JPEGs that were embedded in there, when I open it, I'm going to see either blank boxes or a very blurry version of your image. Yeah. so Because you, they're not linked Yeah. So anymore. when you package a file in Adobe, this is where the packaging thing comes hugely into play. So not only does it save... So when you hit file package, it literally saves a folder with all of... it. It's the project name folder. 
And in that folder, there is the InDesign or an Illustrator document. There is a PDF of the finished product. There is a folder containing all of the fonts that are included in that file. And there's a folder including all of the linked files, whether they're images or text boxes or whatever. Um, all mm -hmm. of those are in there. So if you are sending a native file, Illustrator, InDesign, make sure you're packaging it, um, especially if there are images um, or text that's not outlined. And however, if you save a PDF, you can kind of skip over those steps. Like if you yep. just file export as or save a copy as a PDF or export as a PDF, you kind of get to skip that whole packaging step. Um, I will say that if you are going to, if there's any kind of like, you're pretty much always better off outlining your text if you're sending this off to somebody else. Um, yep. so I ran a little test and I went into Illustrator, which is what I use mostly for my design. And I put a vector piece of artwork in there and I put a, a little line of, out, of text that was not outlined. So it's still editable text. And I wanted to see kind of what this looked at looked like when I exported it at different file types and then put it back into Illustrator and see how it came across. So when I exported or saved as an Adobe Illustrator, an AI file, a PDF, an SVG, and an EPS, all of those, when I opened them into Illustrator, perfect. The vectors were still editable. I could change the color of them, no problem. Text was still editable. So you would need to outline them if you're sending it off to somebody. But mm -hmm. great, love that. So all four of those file types are perfect. And um, again, just considering outlining text or linking any images, packaging it if needed. But PDF, SVG, and EPS, you don't really need to do the linked files. You just need to outline text. The two that I did not like, obviously PNGs and JPEGs, when you open those back into Illustrator, they're not editable. They are not good for letterpress because they're pixelated now. Um, so overall, PNGs, JPEGs, not really usable for letterpress plates. The real interesting one was the Photoshop document. Adobe has a lot of really great features where you can use elements from different like programs across the other programs themselves. So it's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I wondered based on the EPS, like if I exported as EPS and that worked well, I thought maybe Photoshop would too. So I exported as a Photoshop file. And then when I brought it back into Illustrator, not only was the text like, um, uh, the text was editable, so that was fine, but the vector was broken into a whole bunch of different pieces and it was actually in like an image format. So each piece mm. was like a little PNG kind of thing where it was all pixelated and I would have had to gone and image trace each section. And it was like weird clipping masks, weird layers. It was really bizarre. And then um, the real kicker is that it didn't even save the artboard size. <laughs> when I opened it back up, it was a five by seven to start with because I was like, yeah, make it something generic. And when I opened it back up, it was like an artboard the size of like the graphic and the text. <laughs> yeah, like so I don't it did know if the founding. I know maybe I didn't save it properly as a Photoshop document, but it was kind of weird. I kind of was like, why do they even allow you to save from Illustrator as a Photoshop document in this case? But um, I wonder what would happen if you opened that then in Photoshop. Let's try it right now. We can answer this question. <laughs> I don't pay for the full suite for nothing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's find out. Okay, so open. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay. So I'm going to open both of these PSD ones that I saved because I saved mm -hmm. them a little differently. Okay, so it does save the... There are some settings that I would, I would find questionable at best when you save from Illustrator as a Photoshop document. The first one worked correctly. It is not a vector by any means, but it's... Um, it's each little piece. It comes into Photoshop as each little piece, just like it goes into Illustrator. But it's okay. a transparent background. It's not white. So that's good at least. Um, but yeah, it still kind of does the same thing. And then let me see if I can edit the text. That'll be a fun one. I have the spinning wheel of death. Hold on. Okay. Photoshop really, my computer does not like Photoshop. I am shocked with how much Photoshopping I did on my computer yesterday. Like huge PDFs, uh, huge sizes, so many layers. I think the biggest file I had had like 62 layers. Um, all of them with like effects and masking and okay, all so kinds of stuff. We have our answer. Okay. Okay. So when you take that Photoshop file and you open it in Photoshop, it does allow you to edit the text, but it does not keep the vector as one like piece. It breaks it up into pieces, just like how it comes back into Illustrator. So that is really interesting. I don't know. We should get somebody from Adobe on the line because that is very interesting. Like, why wouldn't it just sync with their other program? But no idea. Anywho, so to recap, Adobe InDesign good. PDF, great. SVG, also good. EPS, also good. So you can pretty much save like PDF, SVG, and EPS from like almost any design software, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And then just for everyone recap purposes to remember, make sure that you outline text if you're sending it to someone else, especially for letterpress, because we are going to have to pull open that file in Illustrator or whatever we use to make it into a plate. Thing two to remember, if you are saving a PDF, it is really helpful when you go to save your file as a PDF, little window pops up with some settings. If you check the little box that says preserve Illustrator editing capabilities, that'll allow us to kind of, it saves the layers and everything too. So it allows us a little more capability to see everything that's there um, and make changes if changes need to be made. Um, mm -hmm. Native files, so your Adobe Illustrator file, your InDesign file, those are best for like, if you're a brand designer, then you're going to want to save an Illustrator file for that person's logo so that one day if they have a big project that needs to be scaled specifically really large, really small, whatever, um, or if they you know want to change the color to black or whatever, um, you're going to want to include a native file with that. And then things that we really just cannot use for letterpress are Microsoft anything. Um, <laughs> Word documents, PowerPoint, pretty much not helpful to us. Um, raster files, so those JPEGs, those PNGs, things of nightmares. Um, I would say the exception is like, I have one client who um, has sent me a PNG and I image traced it and created a vector out of it and then sent her the mock-up to review. And that's kind of the exception is like, you have to be very clear with your letterpress person. Like, hey, I have a PNG. I really want to get letterpress printed. Can you use it? And it's like, I can, I can make that work, especially if it's in black and white, it can be a little bit easier. Um, some plate companies will do it for you. Some printers will do it for you. Um, so maybe just communicate if that's something that you like, if you're an artist and all you do is sketch, 
um, just ask because somebody can probably help you with that and make that into a vector for you. So we all have the capabilities to like help you turn, you know, something like a sketch into um, a vector, but I would encourage everyone to learn how to do that on their own if they can only because there are so many settings, like when you're doing an image trace and no matter like how much you tweak that setting, you're not really going to get the exact, exact look of that hand sketch. Like there's always going to be some compromise, like corners won't be as crisp or they might be mm-hmm. more crisp or something like that. Light and detail sketch strokes, like those it, things exactly. don't always transfer. Exactly. I've also had my own sketches where I actually have to um, image trace the same image twice because mm-hmm. some areas need more threshold and some areas need less threshold. And no yeah. matter what, across the whole image, I can't get them to where I want them simultaneously. So what I end up doing is like doing two separate pieces and then layering them on top of each other and deleting out all the stuff that ends up getting duplicated that I don't want. Yeah. Um, so the thing of it is, is that it is a process. Um And if someone else is doing it for you, you might not be getting exactly what you want or you might not be aware of why you're not getting exactly what you want. So if you can get access to Illustrator or anything like that and learning how to turn your files into vectors yourself, um, it's really going to allow you to have more control as the artist over what your artwork's looking like. And it may even inform your illustrating process to begin with. Like now when I use Procreate, I have a a template document with um, saved sizes for all of my pens. Mm -hmm. And I know that certain sizes will give me certain line weights that I like on the letterpress. Wow, that's so much more detailed. So I was actually going to say we should talk about Procreate a lot, a little bit, because a lot of people sketch graphics and things for illustrations in Procreate and then just like put the PNG file into Photoshop. So mm-hmm. I've had a I've had an invitation that was really difficult because of this and to convert into letterpress appropriate files. So what I do is I when I'm drawing something on my iPad um, in Procreate, I will actually use a ton of layers and I will just like each section of the drawing is a different layer. And so I have a bunch of layers. I always draw in like black um, because it's easiest to image trace an illustrator with all black. And Mm -hmm. so I have layers, everything's black background is completely blank. I turn off like the background layer, which is white or whatever color. And then I actually like export as, and then there's, I think a layers like a PNG option. And so I Mm -hmm. export them as PNG files and then I bring them into illustrator. I image trace those. I have settings set on my own, like presets of illustrator image tracing, where like I know what works best and I can probably like finagle the threshold and everything from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I just piece them all together. So if you align them all, like if you export, if you bring in the PNG files and then you align them all together. So like they're aligned horizontally and vertically, mm-hmm. then when you image trace them, they should be lined up like where they're supposed to be. So your illustration yeah. should be mostly complete. So um, there's a way to make Procreate work for you. And obviously it doesn't create vector images right out of Procreate, but you can definitely make it as easy to translate into Illustrator as possible. Um, 
obviously Janine yeah. and I do a lot of that. So we're really familiar with it. If you have questions and we're printing letterpress for you, just tell us, just tell us where you created it. And we can tell you how to best like navigate that and what you can do to help us because we've, we've tried it all. We've experimented with different formats and designs and different software and everything. So just let us know, like we can help just be clear about where you started and where you're at now. Yeah. Um, and we'll I, so I, when I first started, I was hand drawing everything and then I bought my printer that has a scanner on it and I ended up hating the scanner. I found that it was actually easier for me to use an app on my phone. Um, <laughs> but, Classic. Uh, and I'm, ta- I'm not talking like pretty watercolor kind of stuff. I'm literally talking about like black and white, like sketch drawings, right? Mm-hmm. So then I moved over to my iPad And that is primarily where I do the bulk of my work. And it's the same process, exporting, transparent background, PNG, dropping in, tracing it. Um, But recently, I have started to actually test the waters of what Illustrator is intended for. And I downloaded an app called AstroPad that turns my iPad into a drawing pad. Oh, yeah. And I can literally draw in Illustrator almost with the similar dexterity that I can with procreate not quite the same um but then I know I am already drawing a vector image and I can get that look that I want without compromising the translation from the png into the vector have you tried the illustrator app on the ipad yet yes I have and it's just like there's clunky to use it's kind of clunky to use yeah Yeah. there is something about it that I don't find as fluid and honestly the coolest thing with astropad is like you it really feels like you're drawing in procreate it just takes the time to figure out like the different functions that you have to be typing in yeah to get like your pencil up and and all that stuff yeah but um so yeah so there's a lot of options of how you could get to the end result of having a vectorized image. But um, the most important thing is that you need it because you're not going to be happy with your letterpress plates. If we sent your raster file out to, you know, be made into photopolymer, yep. you're just not going to be the one, happy with if it. If that's the one thing you gain from this episode, it is that right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that vectors um, are necessary for letterpress plates because of the actual process of making letterpress plates. So um, yeah, and listen, not negotiable. <laughs> I have a deep appreciation of being very angry with how expensive the creative suite is. Like I, I want like on one hand, I understand we are professionals. It's a professional service. Like dues are dues, whatever. Mm-hmm. But every year I when liked, that hits my bank account, yes. I cry a little bit inside. <laughs> yes, and I liked when you just bought because I didn't mind having an older version of Illustrator yeah. and Photoshop and whatever. I liked when you just bought your version and it was a fixed price. But now it's just this ongoing subscription and it is expensive. But here's the thing. If you are doing this as a business and if you're doing this with letterpress, you are going to need to invest in it. 
Like it just has to happen at some point. Yep. It's an unfortunate reality of our business is that, you know, that's one of the prices we literally pay to play. Um, and you know, it all adds up, but hopefully you're costing out your business efficiently and all of that. But, um, yeah, it's it's painful every year. <laughs> yeah. I also I also think like if you can, if you're a person who like is specifically doing only like things in Illustrator, if you can only pay for one app, then do that. Um, I use Photoshop, Lightroom, InDesign, and Illustrator across my business, just depending on the project itself. So unfortunately, I feel like I need all of it, but I do think like a lot of people could probably get away with just Illustrator or just you know Photoshop or whatever they're they're doing. Um, but yeah, I it's it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Every yeah. year is sad. We should have like a like a like a funeral party on that day. <laughs> funeral yeah. for our bank accounts. <laughs> yeah, um, and there are, there are other ones like oh, I think Affinity is one of them, right? And like yeah, there's you've, Affinity, men- you've mentioned a few. There's Corel Draw, which is with a C C O R E L. I've never used it, but um, I know that's pretty popular. And then there's one called I think like Quark. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Affinity is like a is like a little. It's quite a lot, quite a bit less expensive. Um, I've never yeah. used it, but I have looked up how much it costs. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it's a lot less expensive than the Adobe Suite. Let alone, I think it's even less expensive than one program in Adobe. So if you're just yeah. starting out, you know, maybe you want to try that. But um, yeah, I really think hey. that getting like one program in Adobe is probably worth worth it. Um, yeah, if I was as to get long one as program, you... it would be Illustrator. <laughs> Yeah, as long as you can trace it, because here's the thing, um, dropping a PNG into a file and then just saving it as something else doesn't yeah, make it that a doesn't vector. Help. Yeah, you have to be able you to trace have it. To, you have to trace it. But if you're creating your graphics and building them in whatever the program is as vectors, if it's a vector software, which I think yes. those all are, then yes. you can save it as an EPS or an SVG or a PDF and you'll be okay. Um, yes so as long as you're saving you're building them as vectors and then saving them as one of those file types you'll be fine um yeah at least for letterpress if you're saving it for digital print then a pdf is gonna be just fine so yep yay wow that's a lot of information so bear with us everybody but um hopefully you learned (laughs) a few things and if you're a designer hopefully you're now much more equipped to send your files off to be letterpress printed or foil printing this applies to foil printing as well um same process essentially so um yeah lots of lots of fun facts there for you so we heart pdfs and um yeah should we should we really quick just tell some because i feel like we didn't really tell any of our horror stories oh yeah so do you want to just do you want to give us some facts and figures of how long it took you to yeah so i uh, had this one suite um i had this one suite that was I believe it was a saved from InDesign. Hypothetically, I didn't. I didn't ever find out. Um, it was either InDesign or Photoshop. But actually, no. It would have been okay. Regardless, I had this one suite that I think the person who designed it saved it from either InDesign or Photoshop. Um, so when I opened it up to create letterpress plates, it was first of all none of it was in black, which is issue number one. Issue number two was that all of the graphics were saved. I don't know what, I think it has something to do with the program they saved it from, but they saved it as a PDF, which is supposed to be correct, right? But it must have been in Photoshop because it came into Illustrator as a whole bunch of pieces. And some of these pieces were clipping masks. So I had to then 
each little chunk. And this is a full border around three sides of the page, by the way. So <laughs> this whole border, I had to select the item, remove the clipping mask, image trace the, the, the thing. I had to then make sure it was all smoothed out. I had to adjust thresholds, corners, all the things. I had to object expand. And then I had to make sure that anything behind it was selected as well, because like some of them layered on top of each other. It was, I like can't even describe it properly because I think I've like locked it out of my memory, but it probably took me like a good over two days, like eight to 10 hours worth of editing to get an invitation. So five by seven inches and a reply card, which was an A2, 5.5 by 4.25 inches. Those two cards took me, I could have designed an entire suite in that amount of time if I had to. <laughs> like I could have letterpress printed 5,000 copies of something. I There are so many other things I could have done in that amount of time. Um, and it could have been salvaged by just being saved properly. So that was probably my worst one. Um, yeah. That was a real tough day and a, a real tough two days, but I'm, I'm not exaggerating it. I think how, I mean, yeah, was it no, days? it took a, I, th I honestly think it was three days because I remember you telling me about it and like, it felt to me like a saga. Cause I remember thinking, oh my God, she's still working on that drawing. Yeah. But like I've well, been there too. Where... Yeah, ultimately when I first got it and it was in like green and pink and all the colors, I sent it back and I was like, hey, I need you to put this in all black. And so they sent it back to me in all black. I think that what they did is they drew the graphics in uh, Procreate and then moved it into Photoshop or InDesign and then saved it as a PDF. And that's where the problem ar arises. Like they didn't do the whole vectorizing of those graphics and then right. saving it as PDF. So horror story um that was my worst one for sure um yeah it was a, caveat it was a black does not mean vector correct black does not mean anything yeah let's it's just it's clear. a very yeah. in a very important part of the process yeah but it and does this, not mean you're done exactly we need it in 100 black as vectors <laughs> um <laughs> the black does help in the image tracing process which is why in that case i just wanted it black because at least then i could just image trace it rather than having to like go into photoshop change it all to black and white adjust the thresholds and everything else and like remove the background and all these things it was also a very detailed artwork um it was a sketch so it had lots of like grainy strokes and really fine lines and lots of things um so yeah it was it was a real difficult one. Um, is it doable? Sort of. It wasn't great. Um, I definitely had to do a ton of manipulation to the image tracing to make it look like the sketches. Um, because image tracing just kind of smooths things out a lot. And some places it makes it like really janky where corners kind of blur together and two small, really detailed lines like can suddenly this? diverge. Yeah, it's you like a very it's like weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird and like... I don't know. It's not, it's not what you think it's going to be. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was difficult. It turned out fine, but it, it cost me two, two full days of my life. <laughs> yeah. I have an image trace horror story that I actually was the cause of, but no one to blame, but yourself, <laughs> no one to blame, but myself. So, um, in 2020, in 2019, I just had like Christmas cards and I realized that a lot of people were, they actually told me, they were like, I'd love to buy your Christmas cards, but I send out a family portrait every year. Um, so 
like we do that instead. So then in 2020, I was like, oh, wise me, I'm going to offer people illustrated family portraits and letterpress them. What could go wrong? Well, 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 well. Earlier in this episode, I mentioned to you that I have a very specific template in Procreate and I use specific size brushes and everything. And it is directly because of this. So (laughs) I spent hours upon hours illustrating humans, their faces, which are very hard for me to do. Humans with their faces, dogs, a chicken, like multiple chickens, actually. All the feathers, I can just imagine it. There was so much illustration. So the mistake was that I just sat down in a weekend and was like cranking out these illustrations of all these people, right? Yeah. So then um, went to go turn them into plates and the image trace was atrocious. I mean, these people went from looking like like (laughs) darling humans to straight up demons. And it was so horrifying. And of course, I was like already like back against the wall with time and um, had to re-illustrate all of them, which in the end, I learned that at a certain scale, faces just don't letterpress well. They need like they need a lot less detail or you have to do like an artistic interpretation of a face sort of. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so they were just too small. And so yeah. then I was trying to make them a bit larger and I honed in all of my uh, t- like things on, on Procreate to be able to make better images to trace. But it was probably the most horrifying thing because I had spent so much time already illustrating Fixing all of those yeah, people and there was yeah. no salvaging them. Like Aww, that sucks. There's no way to scale up a PNG or a JPEG to make it more traceable. Like you just can't. As we've talked about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And like, I think you're onto something with the different, like, uh, actual, like sizes of the, the, the artboards in Procreate, because when you bring it into Illustrator, it pops up as that size. So like, if you make it really small, you're going to have a real hard time tracing that. If you make it too big, you might have a hard time. I don't know, but. Oh, I make it big. I make it big. I bet you do. I I feel like. uh, I go uh, 2,500 by 4,000 is my portrait. Hell yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But, and it's, that's probably totally overkill. But what it is, is like, that allows me to have a better range on my brushes. Yeah. Like if you're using a smaller size, then your brushes, um, they just, they, you know, just doesn't have this great range. Yeah, and if you want fine lines, you need to be drawing with a fine brush, but you also need that brush to hold its pixels. Yeah. Because... If you do a thin line on a smaller size document in Procreate, when you export that as a PNG, that hairline is basically just going to be soft colored pixels. Yeah. And the Illustrator image trace is going to just set it up as these little like diamond shapes that none of them are connected and it's really annoying. Yeah. So... I also think it's really interesting when you do like image trace something in Illustrator, you definitely have to go through with a fine tooth comb and make sure that you don't have any random specs, especially if it was like yeah. scanned artwork, the dust, everything yeah. will fucking show up there and like n- yeah. nothing is safe. Um, uh, that is yeah. why I moved over to uh, like digitally drawing because yeah. I got so sick of trying to remove paper texture. Yeah. 
It's yeah. just so annoying. Yep. And so if you are scanning from artwork, um, scanning like bright white, smooth paper with as dark black ink as you can get is your, your easiest option. Um, super high resolution to scan it in. And then, I mean, I literally clean mine with a microfiber cloth before I scan artwork because mm-hmm. it's so, the dust is so insane. Like you're like, how does it even get in here? It's literally closed all the time. Like, it's not like <laughs> I just leave it open to like the elements. It's literally sealed up. Like how does dust oh, even get in here? Um, yeah. yeah, there's definitely some dust on mine right now, and you're so right. Like the lid is always closed. Yeah, what I literally I've never open it unless I'm actively dust. scanning something. There might even be something that I've scanned months ago that's still in there. I don't know, but like, I don't know how dust gets in there. It's insane. But yeah, so if you are scanning, definitely use smooth white paper if you can, and as dark black ink as possible. Um, if you're scanning in watercolor stuff, I commend you because it does take a lot of practice and patience to get watercolor to show up correctly on screen um yeah yeah especially like really light watercolor stuff it's like nearly impossible so yeah yeah great well Well, mariah thank you so much for educating us on all the different files i've definitely learned some new shit today um i I had no idea i had no idea what any of these abbreviations stood for i know i'll make a little chart for instagram for this because it's it is helpful to have like a reference um and yeah i just i feel like you need to see it sometimes to believe it a lot of these have like their use or their limitations or like what they're supposed to be for in their freaking name but because we use acronyms nobody knows yeah nobody knows literally. nobody gets it because like nobody knows that an svg is a scalable vector graphic that is exactly what you would want to use right yeah the name um, itself so, is like hey i'm the one choose me yeah. and we're like i never knew what that meant until literally just now <laughs> yeah so uh elon has this thing where like he really does not like acronyms being used at SpaceX because communication gets lost. And so it's like frowned upon to abbreviate things down into an acronym, especially if you're giving like a presentation. And I freaking love that. And this is a perfect example of like, I actually did know what SVG stood for before today but I remember the day that I found out what SVG stands for I'm like oh now I get why my laser cutter needs an SVG why crickets use SVG it just makes sense because it's a scalable vector graphic yeah it totally makes sense um I will say that I love acronyms and I use them all the time like if you look at like when I was a server (laughs) When I was a server, my server book was literally a foreign language. If you picked, like, I wouldn't, I could write anything in there and never worry about someone understanding what I was trying to say because, like, right. But that's the thing; it's it's your own hidden language. But if you're using it to convey information within a company or an industry to literally anyone else ever, it's terrible. It is not good. It is not good. Acronyms should be used for like personal development reasons only, like to help you remember. To help you remember stuff or to take shorthand notes, but yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Anyhow. I use acronyms all the time in my notes, and uh, yeah, that's, I guess I should just like, if I ever start a diary again, I'll just use acronyms for everything. <laughs> It'll be yeah. safe. It'll be safe from any prying eyes. <laughs> I love awesome. it. Awesome. I love it. Well, awesome. hopefully everyone Thanks, learned girl. a few things today. I sure did, and um yeah, yeah, hop over you know. to Instagram. Let us know uh, if you like this episode. You could leave a review for us. Um, 
I know it's a little early, but I feel like we should mention that we are going to be at the International Print Museum's Print Fair this year. It's happening October 22nd and 23rd. Correct. Um, Double checking those dates, but I feel really confident about it. Yep. 22nd and 23rd. Uh, Hot Off the Press will be there. We'll also be bringing a little bit of uh studio soprano mariah and mariah creates uh products but we all have hot off the press merch um we would really love to meet you and talk to you and hear what kind of things you're loving at the fair um it's the big event that the print museum puts on here in carson california um it really helps support them it also helps support the printing community People come from all over the country like to Minnesota. show at this fair, like Minnesota, <laughs> um, and some just like industry like names are there. Like we're gonna have uh, letterpress things is always there, which is amazing. Um, They'll sell yeah. equipment and stuff as well, um, and they will have like a hot foil demonstration and what was the other one? Oh, a Heidelberg demonstration. Oh, so linotype, the linotype yeah. will probably be going. So you'll get to see some really cool equipment, both from the museum but also in action, which will be really cool. Um, a ton of different vendors will have prints and things to purchase. Um, your favorite hot off the press podcast hosts, of course. Um, I will be flying out to California for this, so we would really like to do a meetup with everyone. Um, so we'll, yes. we'll let you guys know on social media and our emails beforehand. But um, yeah, I wanted yeah, to so mention it now, though, so you could start marketing your official your state the date. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, should we print save the dates? Oh my god, we should postcard save the oh dates. My god. <laughs> or a digital one, maybe even. Yeah, that's a great idea. No, but I, I want to print some stuff. Yeah. Great. Love it. Okay. We'll probably make a cute little (laughs) Google form for you to give us your address so that we could send you some goodies like a save the date for the printer's fair. Love that. Yes. Okay. So October 22nd, 23rd in Los Angeles, the printer's fair. Um, Mariah and Jillian will both be there and we can't wait to see you all in person. So yay. Yay. All right. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.